Another week in the foyer reference household. It's another ref max, but it is the last episode of the year. Ot, Woo-hoo. are we still in the millennium? <laughs> Did we ever get out of it? No, it's going to slap you back in. <laughs> friends and lovers, we hope you are well. If you're not having such a great time, you've got your beloved friends and lovers to keep you company and take you into 2023. Let's get on with the show. Hey, friends and 2022 lovers, welcome back to the Foyer Reference Podcast. You got your host, Katie. And Otie. Welcome to Reference Max, where we cover preview screenings and screeners that were made available to your Foyer Reference lovers. Today we will be covering A Man Called Otto, The Fablemans, as well as Black Snow. You're feeling spicy after our Christmas special, aren't you, OT? I am. You're feeling good? As I'll ever be. Nice. Well, let's get straight into it, OT. The first film we are covering, I had the opportunity to see... Thank you so much to our friends at Sony Pictures. I had the opportunity to watch A Man Called Otto, which is also based off of a novel called A Man Called Ove, as well as the film called A Man Called Ove. Um, in regards to this film, it's released in 2022. It will be available in Australia on New Year's Day of 2023. Director Mark Forster in regards to writing for this particular screenplay. David McGee in regards to stars. We have Tom Hanks. I also noticed Rita, his wife was also credited as well. There was also a baby Hanks, but not a Chet Hanks. If I can digress ever so slightly, um, I don't even know if Chet Hanks exists to some of the community, OT. <laughs> he wanted to be part of the community, eh? Well, I, t- I tried to bring it up with Tom Hanks' brethren and they didn't seem to understand. <laughs> if you know friends and lovers, you know. John Higgins as well as Tony Bigham. And I think I'm the one to kick this off um, because I had the opportunity to watch the film. Um, I'm not going to go into details of the synopsis um, and I'm definitely not going to spoil this film. But essentially this fits very nicely in my category of like grumpy old men that usually – it might be a child, it might be an animal, but it it reawakens them and reinvigorates them and gives them a reason for living or gives them some sort of purpose. Like usually those are my favorite sort of films. So I was very excited to go and watch A Man Called Otto. Um, Tom Hanks is really like the father of America. Mm-hmm. I think there was even an SNL, whether he was hosting or, no, I think it was, he was hosting, it was during like COVID times as well. He was the warm embrace. He was the hug that everyone needed, especially even now during during the uncertain times that we have. Um, So what I was hoping for was a Sam Neill type character and hunt for the wilder people. But what I feel like I got was Clint Eastwood and Gran Torino. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Am I selling it to you? I was going to ask you uh, on a scale of <laughs> Samuel L. Jackson and Lake Ruteras to Gran Torino, where he lied in between. But I feel like Samuel L. Jackson's character in Lake Ruteras had some other ingredients that made him a grumpy man. <laughs> 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 there was a lot of sauce in there. Um, 
I think part of it for me is because when you think Clint Eastwood and even Sam Neill, as lovable as Sam Neill is, you can buy that he's a grumpy man. And I also really loved him in Rams as well, which is also an adaptation of a foreign film too. Also shout out to Michael Caden, um, an Australian legend and also international if you are so learned. Um, Like you can buy that Sam Neill can be a grumpy man, right? Yeah. So when Tom Hanks is being very belligerent, (laughs) he's being like really rude to people. I personally don't buy that. He might talk to Chet Hanks like that. (laughs) 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 Like I don't personally buy that he would be rude to anyone. And, you know, friends and lovers, we talk about this all the time. It's, it's not necessarily his acting prowess. It's just me being unable to disassociate from the fact that he is pure sunshine and people kept threatening Australia because they were saying, you know, we might be the reason the koala COVID's kill him. <laughs> wow. So, okay, that's an interesting take because everything I'm assuming you've watched of Tom Hanks has been sort of... I think even for Sully will probably be the most like on the scale of like Tom Hanks being Tom Hanks and beautiful and lovely and wonderful and warm. Mm. Maybe Sully would be the most grumpy, not even grumpy, but I, I guess the most non-Tom Hanks sort of role. Because even Captain Phillips, he... Because, you know, there was a there was a whole discussion about how they portrayed Captain Phillips in a better light than who he really was as a person. But I think that might also be the Tom Hanks-isms as well. Have you ever seen a Tom Hanks film where he was less than? Oh, wasn't he less than in Philadelphia? But that was very early Hanks. You know, before mm. we calcified and we bottled the Hanksisms. True. Yeah, I don't think anything recent that I've watched with him in that he's... Yeah, I could see your point. I could see your point. Um, in, in regards to the actual film, um, there was definitely a lot of heart to it. And maybe it's me, friends and lovers. Maybe I need to see the human side of grumpy characters because he was saying some really terrible things. Like just, it, I don't know. It was interesting. Fair be it from me to want to have humanized um, grumpy characters. But um, it does make me more curious to watch the original film though. Okay. My reading list continues to stack up and I'm really worried I'm not going to finish my book I'm reading right now for 2022. <laughs> um, but I, I got I got the essence of the film. And, um, you know, sometimes when we talk about like American adaptations and, you know, we're currently going through our reference degustation where we explore, you know, directors' filmographies and we're currently going through whatever the fuck madness is Takashi Miike right now. Mm. And, you know, there's talks of like, you know, adapting it, not just American, like Western sort of adaptations or audition, but apparently that fell through parasites getting its own. Um, you know what I mean? Like there are instances where you see things being adapted and it might not necessarily work, or you can see the Americanisms injected right into it. Yeah. Or you just get injected Americanisms, otherwise known as the Gyllenhaal effect in Okja. (laughs) But the sovereign state of Tilda Swinton really helps. Um, but in, in in general, I enjoyed it. I I got what the themes of the film was, and it does make me more excited to watch the original film. So pretty much, he's just um, a Grinch, and we get to see him grow a heart. I guess so. I guess so. Yeah. All right. Tom Hanks won. Jim Carrey won. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Tom Hanks summer. Uh-huh. <laughs> Um, let's move into the next film that we both had the opportunity to watch, OT. 
Okay. Thank you to our friends at Studio Canal Australia for inviting us to the Fablemans. We also, um, I guess, just capturing the sort of experience that we had for the preview screening. Friends and lovers, we've talked about like lounge experiences that are beyond the general sort of seating. Um, there are some really great sort of boutique lounges, um, George Street, if you're if you're familiar in Sydney, um, and it's called the Paparazzi Room. So it really like. It really helped to enhance and, you know, it, it brought the significance of the film. Well, personally for me, how was the general experience for you? Oh, yeah. You know, I love my gold class slash lux experience. You do? So this was right up up there and I think it felt even more classier than your standard gold class. Like a classy Christmas, like Steve Carell? Yes. <laughs> See, we appeal to the mainstream nerds, friends and lovers. Oh, for sure. Only thing missing is a is a toaster with bacon on it. So I could, you know, when I stand up, I could smell the smell of bacon walking through. <laughs> um, but yeah, but yeah, it was a really good experience. The Fablemans will be screening in Australia from January 5th in regards to general stats and information. Director, writer, Steven Spielberg. And there's a lot, a lot, a lot I want to talk about. And I'm glad we both got to watch it so we can talk obviously no spoilers also tony kushner um there's a great writers roundtable of 2022 we're talking tony kushner we're talking jordan peele we're talking martin mcdonough we're talking the dance we're talking chinonye oh till 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 ot yeah that will be definitely a main board oh absolutely um but you know going back to tony kushner it was very interesting because when he talked about the cast and you know obviously with the writers roundtable they were talking about you know how much space do you give actors how important are the words that are being written um i think tony and martin very much related to you know keeping to the script because the words are written for a reason um and he talked about how you know there was not necessarily trepidation but they weren't sure whether seth rogan would stick to the script but he came in and he did the deed ot who would have thought yeah speaking (laughs) of doing the deed we also have michelle williams i think a first for the four-year reference podcast gabrielle labelle wow 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 what a performance and paul dano i love you so much ot but i feel like the, the 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 thing that i distilled out of this movie is paul dano would be a lovely person to be married to i was gonna hit you with the one too but since we can have spoilers i'll resolve that for the main episode okay yeah all right we'll kick us off ot thoughts impressions feelings oh i was i didn't know what to expect with this movie yes um uh, I knew what it was about going in and still I couldn't see how it would captivate me enough for the entirety of its two hour run. Uh But it surprisingly did. It's one of the better movies we've watched this year. Uh, It stuck to its lane. It knew exactly what it wanted to deliver Mm -hmm. and it did it so well. I think Paul Dano's performance, you know, just elevated the whole thing. It added so much emotion. He can never not perform. He can never not deliver. Uh, True. Since Prisoners. (laughs) (laughs) and it's wild because even the supporting cast you know michelle williams seth rogan they're really really good yeah um and being taken on a journey where it's super narrative driven yes and just being in conspiracy in the world that you get to see spielberg sort of memoir unfold Mm, come mm. to life and 
not only that, but you also get to sort of learn his, you know, technique. And if I was a younger me wanting to get into the sort of movie industry, I'd be like, whoa, if I was not interested in, in his filmography and anything like that, I would be so keen to see how he started up. And it was so great. He added all that. He added all that and more. It was very, very intriguing. It's not too late, OT, to pursue your dreams. I know. I absolutely agree with you. Um, there was... I had some trepidation watching this film because what I share a lot on this podcast is I love emotion. I love to watch film, but I'm not necessarily being able to understand the different shots or the way of film, you know, what sort of lens like you were talking about and that sort of thing. So I was really worried going into this film that it might not be accessible enough. But from the auteurs to the film lovers, I think there's really a lot of resonance that you can gain from the Fablemans because at the end of it, it's a story of a kid. And again, love splooshes and shout outs to Gabriel LaBelle because he did so well in this role. He made me want to care about it because it's so important to want to care about a protagonist, right? But at the core of this film is a kid that finds meaning through the world through a passion that he loves, which is filmmaking. A hundred percent. It was really interesting digging into the family dynamics that we had in the film as well. Obviously, we don't want to spoil too much, but it's such an intricate sort of orchestra to be able to navigate the family dynamics in a way that it was done here. But I do want to um, focus on this for a second, or at least for a couple of talking points, OT. You know, generally, Steven Spielberg is known for the big family-friendly sort of blockbusters, right? Mm. Um, (laughs) Without even trying, we do find ourselves down the Alice in Wonderland film Twitter rabbit hole, right? Um, So things that aren't necessarily cared about in the real world are magnified in film Twitter or there are particular sort of takes um, that others may share or others may scorn. Um, But there's a lot of sentiment about Spielberg being potentially a cheesy sort of filmmaker, not being surface level, but again, to appeal on a family friendly sort of level, it's not necessarily going to dig deep. You're not great. You're not getting like a gritty Safdie brothers, like uncut gems, for example. Mm. So what did you feel? What did you feel in regards to being a consumer of Spielberg films and the film that you got here? It felt very raw. And I think him, I, I wouldn't imagine it'll be easy for him to sort of lay out his life the way he did. Yeah. Telling his story and and I think moving audiences with it as well. Um, It's one of those things that you never really thought that you needed until you saw it. Yeah. And I look at him now with a different lens Mm -hmm. and every other movie, I think in future, whatever Spielberg does, I'll be that much more interested in seeing it because... I know a little bit more about him. Yeah, I agree. I absolutely agree. It, the, I, I wasn't as giddy as I was coming out of Armageddon time, but what I really love about Armageddon time, you also see it in the Fablemans as well. You don't need to give me all of the opinions and all of the social commentary that's going around at the time. You just need to tell a narrative that is true to you and is insular to your life experiences. Yeah. And I feel like that's absolutely what we got. Um, Raw, absolutely. Um, and it was real to the experiences of Sammy's character. Yeah. And when you walk out of that cinema, and I know you just mentioned it wasn't the same, it didn't hit you the same level as a Mageddon time, but it was different for me because I remember walking out of the cinema and feeling um, 
just happy that I watched something so raw and mm. it didn't even feel like a two hour runtime film for me. Yeah. You know, sometimes usually when you hit the 90 minute mark, you start withering or, you know, you start to notice the time, mm-hmm. but not with this. It, it, it really, it's really insular and it holds its attention and it covers each and every pot, plot point uh, without lingering too much or anything that feels that shouldn't be there. Mm-hmm. I absolutely agree. Um, I think roar is a very strong word, but I think if we were to compare the films that we know or what Spielberg is most known for, then perhaps this would be. It's his most raw. It's personal. Yeah, it's yeah. very it's very personal. Absolutely. Standout performances for you? Gabriel LaBelle. Yeah. Really, really good. Paul Dano, we've already mentioned. Um, the siblings were, were good as well. Yeah. They stood out. Michelle Williams was great as well. Yeah. She was. I was getting to Michelle Williams. Okay. Yes. She's the cream of the crop. Um, what I would also like to say um, before we move on as well, I really appreciated Kushner's writing of this film. And again, you say it's raw, it's personal, it's insular, um, especially the way they talk about the way they were treated, you know, as Jewish people in a community that wasn't necessarily so. Mm. You also see that in Armageddon time too. So, um, you know, th- there's definitely a way of portraying it without going the full Doctanian, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I feel like if you get to the levels of Doctanianship, then we need to reevaluate things a bit more. Yeah, we, I guess we do, right? All right. Well, um, let's get into the last uh, preview sort of screener. We want to thank Jess and our friends at Stan for giving us the digital screeners to be able to watch Black Snow. Black Snow will be available exclusively on Stan on New Year's Day 2023 in Australia. And I believe it might be available on the Sundance app in the US and perhaps all three media in the UK, but we will send out those details when they're confirmed. Yep. Uh, general stats and information, we will be covering it as a full episode, so we're not going to get into full detail, but just for now, the series was directed by Sean Davies as well as Matthew Saville. In regards to the writing credits, we have Beatrix Christian, Boyd Quackerwoot, as well as Lucas Taylor. In regards to cast, run it back, Travis Fimmel, thank you very much. Oh, whoop, whoop. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. We'll talk generally, but I just want to keep my wows in there. Brooke Satchel, an Australian intergalactic legend who we love. Jemison Power. If you've not listened yet, we released an interview with Jemison. Elijah Blackman Koroa, Alex England, as well as Ziggy Ramu, who also did the music for the show. Nice. Without making this about us, we we got digital screeners for this and it was a fucking spin out to see our names on the watermark. <laughs> it was a trip for sure. It was, absolutely. So we're going to be doing a full episode on it. It will come out on New Year's Day. But is there anything, any sort of muy caliente morsels you want to give to us, OT? I think if you've been craving that different representation in Australian screens... Uh, this is for you, mm. you know, um, it, it's very, very interesting. Uh, you get really strong performances. Yeah, you solid. Know, uh, you have Jemison, which you already mentioned. Um, Travis is Travis. Yeah. You know, there's nothing more we can add to that, but it's really, really strong. Yeah. I think once you go through the whole sort of season, very bingeable, by the way, as well. Yep. You know, and you know how I appreciate we appreciate that in the For Your Reference household. Mm-hmm. Um, super bingeable and just powerful performances all through intriguing storylines and plot 
plot twists to the wazoo. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, the core of it is also a who done it as well. Who did it? Who's gonna get it? See how they run, or maybe not. Wow. Glass onion, maybe. <laughs> I see you're bringing your Mbok detective skills to the surface. Oh, that's a Poirot deep cut. <laughs> Are you an Agatha Christie wanker? Just a little bit. <laughs> There's so much that I want to talk about, but I know we're going to cover it in a main episode. So what I will say um, for this, friends and lovers, if you feel you need to, go and do your homework. Google Blackbirding, Google the South Sea Islander community. I guess if you want to look at who done it, you can absolutely do that too. But the core of this show is a young South Sea Islander teenager that dies. And it's a mystery around that even decades later to be able to uncover it. Travis Vermeil plays the detective. Jemison is a part of the family of the young girl that got murdered. And it is so... It's everything I love about television programming in the 2020s. It covers deep cut themes. Like, you know, we talk about the harder they fall. And as as much as you love it, you don't believe black against black um, divide exists. <laughs> um, it's it's all it's also what I talk about. You know, everything can be discussed, but some things are a talanoa for the fale. So some things are a discussion for the house, for the community. Outside eyes might be there, but it's not for you to comment on. And that's definitely a theme that's in this show. It talks about the play, um, the role that religion plays as well in communities around the world. But don't worry, Oti, I'm keeping to Queensland. Um, <laughs> you know. It also talks about obligation. It talks about matriarchy. It talks about community. And, you know, even when we were chopping it up with Jemison, like you can sniff it out. If you know, you know. Wow. I couldn't have said it better myself. It, it covers a whole lot of important issues while being entertaining. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that on that, isn't it? It sure is. For the, this has been a wild year for the podcast, OT. Sure has. Um, we do our cute little milestones when we hit four years, which will be in February. Is there anything you want to impart to our friends and lovers before we Thanos click and vaporize into the metaverse? We have legs. <laughs> yeah, thanks for the legs this year. It's like our podcast has just gone up and running. Um, thanks for anyone who's... Everyone who's been listening and tuning in weekly, it's just been an amazing show of support and we appreciate you. We love you so fucking much. Thank you, friends and lovers, and we'll see you in 2023. See ya. Mwah.